You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. A zero-click exploit affects iPhones belonging to Kaspersky employees. A GRU cyber campaign incorporates novel malware. The Indian government targets Apple over hacking attempts. Microsoft disables App Installer. Australian Court's AV is compromised. A Black Basta decryptor is released. Cyber Tufan claims attacks against Israeli targets. Patients in Oklahoma face online extortion. Loan care customers' data is at risk. Google settles a private browsing lawsuit. Barracuda patches a zero day. That Chinese spy balloon was making a local call. And then Caleb Barlow, a friend of our show, shares password security tips you should know. Happy New Year, everyone. It is Tuesday, January 2nd, 2024. I'm Dave Bittner, and this is your CyberWire Intel Briefing. The big story breaking over the holidays involves compromised iPhones in Russia. Ars Technica reports that iPhones belonging to Kaspersky employees were targeted by an advanced exploit over the course of four years. Dubbed Triangulation, this campaign targeted a wide range of individuals, including those working in diplomatic missions and embassies in Russia. The attack was executed through iMessage texts, installing malware without any action from the recipient. This spyware was capable of transmitting a variety of sensitive data, including microphone recordings and geolocation, to attacker-controlled servers. Interestingly, the malware did not survive a device reboot, but the attackers circumvented this by sending new malicious texts after a reboot. The triangulation campaign exploited four critical zero-day vulnerabilities, which were unknown to Apple at the time of discovery. These vulnerabilities, now patched by Apple, affected not only iPhones, but other Apple devices like Macs, iPads, Apple TVs, and Apple Watches. One of the most striking aspects of this attack was its exploitation of a hidden hardware feature in Apple devices. 
this feature allowed the attackers to bypass robust hardware-based memory protections that are typically difficult to defeat. These protections prevent attackers from executing post-exploitation techniques even after compromising the system's kernel. Kaspersky's discovery of this hidden hardware function came after extensive reverse engineering of infected devices. Their research led them to hardware registers and memory-mapped inputs and outputs, which the attackers used to bypass memory protections. The MMIO addresses used by the attackers were not listed in any device tree or found in source codes, kernel images, and firmware, underscoring the obscurity and sophistication of the attack. Russia's FSB has for some time accused Apple of colluding with the U.S. NSA. In this case, however, Kaspersky explicitly declined to make any attribution, telling Ars Technica, Currently, we cannot conclusively attribute this cyber attack to any known threat actor. The unique characteristics observed in Operation Triangulation don't align with patterns of known campaigns, making attribution challenging at this stage. Staying in Russia for a moment, between December 15th and the 25th, a phishing campaign targeting Polish and Ukrainian entities was linked to Russia's GRU, specifically the APT-28 unit, also known as Fancy Bear. CERT-UA released details from their investigation, revealing that the attack involved redirecting victims to a website that utilized JavaScript in the MS Search application protocol. This process resulted in the download of a shortcut file, which, when opened, triggered a PowerShell command. This command facilitated the download and execution of a decoy document, the Python interpreter, and a file identified as MazePy. The record highlighted that the campaign seems designed to spread through networks, not just infect individual devices. GovInfo Security indicated that Russia's historical patterns suggest such attacks could be precursors to larger cyber or physical assaults. Shortly after Apple warned independent Indian journalists and opposition politicians about potential government hacking attempts, India's Modi administration took action against Apple, the Washington Post reports. Officials from the Bharatihi Janata Party questioned Apple's threat algorithms and initiated an investigation into the security of Apple devices. In private meetings, senior Modi administration officials demanded that Apple help mitigate the political impact of the warnings. They even summoned an Apple security expert to New Delhi to propose alternative explanations for the warnings. The campaign targeted individuals critical of Prime Minister Modi or his ally Gautam Adani, Notably, journalist Anand Magnale and Ravi Nair of the Organized Crime and Corruption Reporting Project were among those warned. A forensic analysis revealed that within 24 hours of contacting Adani for a story, Magnale's phone was infiltrated with Pegasus spyware, developed by Israeli company NSO Group and allegedly sold only to governments. Despite denials from Adani and the Indian government's refusal to confirm or deny using spyware, evidence suggests the government's use of these powerful surveillance tools, fresh cases of infections among journalists and targeting of opposition politicians, add to this evidence. Microsoft has deactivated its MS App Installer protocol handler due to its exploitation by threat actors. 
including Storm 0569, Storm 1113, Sangria Tempest, and Storm 1674. These groups have been leveraging the MS App Installer URI scheme to distribute malicious software, including ransomware, since mid-November of 2023. To combat this, Microsoft has disabled the App Installer by default, following observations of the handler's misuse as an entry point for malware through malevolent advertisements on popular search engines and Microsoft Teams. The reported misuse involves spoofing legitimate applications and evading initial detection, with cybercriminals also selling malware kits exploiting the MSIX file format and MS App Installer protocol. We note that Microsoft is an N2K partner. In Australia, Victoria's court system was compromised by a ransomware attack suspected to be orchestrated by Russian hackers using commercial ransomware known as Keelin. Hackers access the court's AV archive, AV in this case referring to the data types compromised in their audiovisual system and not to antivirus software that could have prevented the attack. They potentially obtained recordings of sensitive court hearings between November 1st and December 21st. Court Services Victoria is contacting affected individuals and has set up a contact center. The attack led to staff being locked out with a message indicating a breach. CSV has isolated and disabled the affected network, ensuring that court operations remain unaffected. Researchers from SR Labs have released a decryptor for the Black Basta ransomware, allowing victims of the ransomware since November 2022 to recover their files. Bleeping Computer reports that Black Basta's developers last week patched the flaw exploited by the decryptor so it won't work for newer attacks. Pro-Palestinian hackers Cyber Tufan claimed a series of cyber attacks against numerous Israeli entities amid the Gaza war, extending the conflict into cyberspace. They promised daily leaks through December and reportedly released data from 60 sites, including both Israeli and international firms like SpaceX, Toyota, and IKEA. Cybersecurity expert Kevin Beaumont described the group as incredibly well-organized and disruptive, targeting a wide range of entities and causing lasting damage with many victims still struggling to recover weeks later. The group, which denies being a mere tool of any state, has shown a sophisticated level of operation, with some attributing its actions to potential Iranian backing. Their tactics have varied with battlefield events, pausing leaks during ceasefires, indicating a strategic approach to cyber warfare. As the conflict continues, so does Cyber Tufan's promise of persistent cyber targeting against Israeli interests. Patients of Integris Health in Oklahoma are being blackmailed with threats to sell their stolen data, including social security numbers and medical information, if an extortion demand isn't met. The not-for-profit health network, which suffered a cyber attack in November, confirmed the theft but has not provided details about the incident. The extortion emails sent on December 24th directed patients to a dark website listing personal data for sale. Integris Health has advised against responding to these emails and is aware of the situation. The mode of extortion resembles that used by the Hunter's International Ransomware Gang in a previous attack, suggesting a possible link. However, 
paying the ransom does not guarantee data safety and might invite further extortion. Meanwhile, a cybersecurity breach at Corewell Health and its vendor HealthEC has affected over 1 million Michigan residents, compromising personal data and medical data, including social security and insurance information. Corwell Health proactively informed the Attorney General's office, which isn't required by Michigan law. The incident is one of several recent breaches in the region, including another at Corwell Health and attacks on McLaren Healthcare and the University of Michigan. Lone Care, a subsidiary of Fidelity National Financial, FNF, is notifying over 1.3 million individuals about a data breach stemming from a cyber attack on FNF's internal systems. Discovered on November 19th and contained a week later, the incident led to the exfiltration of personal details like names, addresses, social security numbers, and loan numbers. While there's no evidence of fraudulent use of the stolen data yet, Lone Care is offering free identity monitoring services, the Black Cat Alf V ransomware group has claimed responsibility for the attack. Despite recent law enforcement actions against their operations, the group remains active. Google has tentatively settled a lawsuit alleging it secretly tracked millions of users' internet activities even while they were in incognito or private browsing modes. Initially seeking at least $5 billion, the terms of the settlement reached through mediation are not yet public but are expected to be formally presented by February 24th of this year. The lawsuit, filed in 2020, claimed Google collected data on users' personal interests and activities through analytics and cookies despite privacy settings since June 1st, 2016. The plaintiffs argued this violated federal wiretapping and California privacy laws. On December 21st, Barracuda began issuing updates to address a zero-day vulnerability in its email security gateway appliances, actively exploited by the Chinese hacker group UNC4841. This flaw stems from a third-party library, Spreadsheet Parse Excel, used in the Amavis virus scanner of the ESG appliances. Attackers could execute arbitrary code via a crafted Excel email attachment. Barracuda observed a deployment of a new sea spy and saltwater malware variants following the exploitation. A patch was released on December 22nd to fix compromised appliances. Coming up after the break, my conversation with Caleb Barlow with a novel approach to password security. Stay with us. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use with zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. 
In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. The IT world used to be simpler. You only had to secure and manage environments that you controlled. Then came new technologies and new ways to work. Now, employees, apps, and networks are everywhere. This means poor visibility, security gaps, and added risk. That's why Cloudflare created the first-ever connectivity cloud. Visit cloudflare.com to protect your business everywhere you do business. And it is always my pleasure to welcome back to the show, Caleb Barlow. He is the CEO at Cyberbit. Caleb, welcome back. Oh, thank you, Dave. So I was talking with a friend the other day about passwords, and she thought that she was very clever because she was sure that she'd come up with a foolproof, foolproof system for her passwords. And I listened to her attentively, and then I shook my head, and I explained to her why having a, a system, a little you know, code that you change from time to time, isn't really going to be effective. This uh, struck me as the kind of thing that I might enjoy a chat with you about. So what, what's the latest with you, Caleb, when it comes to uh, trying to make heads or tails of long passwords? Well, you know, I'll tell you where a lot of this conversation came from me. I do a lot of like um, compliance meetings for Wall Street firms, right? Wall Street mm. firms have to have their, you know, kind of annual cybersecurity compliance. So, you know, sometimes I get invited down to kind of walk through people through the basics. And uh, well, passwords are always a hot topic. And it was funny. Recently, I had a CEO of a Wall Street firm really come up to me afterwards, not happy because I had told everybody how you know, with the kind of GPU processors that you'd find in things like ChatGPT nowadays, you know, you can break a rather long, let's say like an eight-character password in under a second, mm. uh, you know, just by brute forcing all the possibilities. And it's not until you get to like 12 characters is eight months, 13 characters is 47 years. And that's with, mm. the, pa that's with the cracking capability today. Right. So, you know, he just kind of threw his hands up, completely frustrated with me. I can't remember anything that long. So, I have an answer for this. <laughs> All right. It involves children's books, Dave. So, here okay. I have like... Sounds like my level. Yeah, totally. I have Go Dog Go <laughs> from Dr. Seuss. Uh, a uh -huh. really good one for passwords. One fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Uh -huh. and, and here's the point, right? You know, when you're trying to come up with a password, the challenge is being creative. And we've talked about in the past the importance of using a phrase. So mm -hmm. the first thing you want to do, and I'll, I'll get to the Dr. Seuss books in a second, but the first thing you want to do is come up with a salt. So, you know, because you need like that upper and lowercase character, a number, a, you know, a special character. And of course, what do you use for your special character? Everybody uses explanation point, right? Right. You know, whatever it is, your sports <laughs> team, put an explanation point at the end, it sounds great. 
Done. Yeah. But what about like the poor tilde or like the percent mark? Right. Or maybe like even a parenthesis, like let's work some of those in. So first of all, pick a salt, not one, two, three explanation point, but, you know, pick a, a set of numbers and a special character and, you know, go ahead and use that salt over and over again. But then you turn to Dr. Seuss. Mm. And the great thing about Dr. Seuss is you get these great little phrases that are 13 to 14 characters, you know, oh me, oh my, um, you know, <laughs> one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish. Yeah. I'm not going to get up today. Another great Dr. Seuss book. And, you know, listeners can't see this, but I have a pile of Dr. Seuss books in front of right. me showing Dave, right? Sam, I am. Sam, uh, oh, Sam, I am's a good one. I would not, um, could not. Right? I would not, could not, should not, right? Yeah. But the sure. great thing about a children's book is you can do two things. One, you can come up with some ideas that are actually kind of fun and easy to remember. But if you really want to cheat and you keep track of your passwords like I do, which is you just write them down in a book, you know, and, you know, I, like I also use a, a uh, you know, like browser storage of passwords and a password vault. But, you know, one of the great things about a children's book, get an old children's book and write where you use the password right next to the phrase. You keep that little book on the shelf. Nobody is going to think you were stupid enough to keep your passwords in a children's book. That's right. <laughs> it's a great, fun way to have things that are completely unique on a regular basis. I like it. I like it. It, it. Just Do you suppose that it's time to jettison the whole notion of password and we should switch to you trying to use the phrase passphrases? 100%. And, and, you know, actually, Dave, that's what I'm trying to encourage people to do here, right? And phrases are hard. You know, we can kind of be creative. You can look around the room, pick an object or a favorite sports team or something for a password. But of course, with rainbow tables, you know, all the sports teams are in there. All the common names are in there. All the common variations are in there. Phrases are not so much, which again is why I really like using a book. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I tried, I tried using Rick Howard's new book, but the language is just, <laughs> it's, it's just too complicated for me. Can't memorize brain. that. It's no star-bellied sneeches. No, right? no, exactly. <laughs> or right. one, you know, thing one, thing two, thing three. So mm -hmm. the point is go find Dr. Seuss or whatever your favorite children's book is, and you have an endless array of really awesome phrases to use that are super fun and easy to remember. Yeah, yeah. And, and darn near impossible to crack. Yeah, I'd say so. All right, I, I like it, I like it. Caleb Barlow, thanks so much for joining us. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And finally, remember the Chinese intelligence collection balloon that floated across North America until the U.S. Air Force shot it down off Myrtle Beach on February 4th of last year? NBC News reports that it was communicating with its controllers via a U.S. ISP, 
and that the communications were mostly for navigation, probably position reporting since the balloon would have been drifting whither the wind listeth and not really under controlled flight. Which ISP was being used hasn't been reported. The Chinese embassy reiterated its earlier claim that the craft was nothing more than a weather balloon, affected by the westerlies and with limited self-steering capability, the airship deviated far from its planned course, whither the wind listeth. And that's the Cyberwire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. We'd love to know what you think of this podcast. You can email us at cyberwire at n2k.com. We're privileged that N2K and podcasts like The Cyberwire are part of the daily intelligence routine of many of the most influential leaders and operators in the public and private sector, as well as the critical security teams supporting the Fortune 500 and many of the world's preeminent intelligence and law enforcement agencies. N2K Strategic Workforce Intelligence optimizes the value of your biggest investment, your people. We make you smarter about your team while making your team smarter. Learn more at n2k.com. This episode was produced by Liz Irvin. Our mixer is Trey Hester with original music by Elliot Peltzman. Our executive producers are Jennifer Ivan and Brandon Carr. Our executive editor is Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Listeners, we're always looking for ways to improve the N2K CyberWire network and maintain the intelligence-driven news experience that keeps you in the know on the latest developments in cybersecurity. We've launched our 2024 audience survey and would love for you to take a few minutes to share your feedback. And hey, there's even a chance to win a $100 Amazon gift card if you complete the survey. Visit cyberwire.com slash survey. That's cyberwire.com slash survey and share your feedback now. And now a word from our sponsor, SpyCloud, the leader in operationalizing cybercrime analytics. Traditional threat intelligence is a thing of the past. Cyber criminals are stealing vast amounts of credentials, session cookies, and financial data every day, and it's hard to keep up. SpyCloud is the trusted partner businesses turn to to fully understand their darknet exposure risk and neutralize threats before it's too late. SpyCloud alerts your organization as soon as an employee or customer's data appears on the darknet, so you can act faster than bad actors to prevent cyber attacks like ransomware, session hijacking, account takeover, and online fraud. With insights from the industry's largest repository of recaptured data, protect the digital identities and systems most important to your business. Get your free corporate darknet exposure report at spycloud.com slash cyberwire and see what information criminals have in their hands today. That's spycloud.com slash cyberwire.